Father, we just pray today that we would know your presence. We would sense your spirit moving in this place and in our lives. We know you're here, but we want to be aware of that. We make a decision now, Lord, to come, to come to you, to open up, to let go of everything that is holding us back, Father God, and to come into your presence to receive your forgiveness, to receive your healing, to receive your blessing, Father God, and to step into a whole new realm. May your presence continue to abide with us. May your word speak to us. May your spirit transform us, we ask, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's give God a praise in the house. Come on, church. And go ahead and take a seat. Well, good morning, everybody. We are continuing our current message series called Personal Parables. Last week, we talked about finding the treasure within you, finding the gifts that God has planted inside you. And I said, everyone has a treasure, has a peril of great value that God has planted inside of you. And after the service, people spoke to me and through the week I got sent messages and what people want to know is, how do I find out what my gift is? How do I discover it? How do I find it out? And you know, very often we just want a quick fix. We want drive-through church. We want to stop and say, I would like to know what my gifts are, what my destiny is, what God wants me to do, and when I arrive at the window, I want to receive it. And it doesn't work that way because the kingdom of God is like a man that went digging in a field. It takes a lot of digging. Somebody can't just come and give you a prophecy and tell you what your gifts are, what your life purpose is, what your destiny is. It takes a bit of time and it takes a lot of honest, prayerful self-reflection in order for you to find that out. And, And the key is the last verse that we looked at last week, which says... Do not think more highly of yourself as you ought to, but honestly evaluate yourself, for in his grace, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. So if you're all Mr. Grumpy or Mrs. Grumpy because I don't know what my gifts are, Well, there's no one that can do anything about that except you and God. And you will need to spend some time with God in some honest, prayerful self-reflection and take an honest evaluation of yourself and discover what gifts God has given you and what things you, what certain things you are able to do well. Now, there are some things that can help you on your journey. 
They won't solve all your problems for you, but they can help you on your journey. For instance, if you've got no idea who you are, you can do some personality profiles and things like that that might help you if you answer the questions honestly, might help you find out who you are and who you aren't. And there are also some you know, spiritual gift questionnaires and strength finder questionnaires and things like that that you can do as well that if you answer those questions honestly, not what you want to be, but what is really true, it will help you arrive there as well. It might also be helpful to find some people that are honest with you. And if you say, hey, you know, you know, like in the X Factor and things like that, people get up and they say, my dream is to be a singer. And the judges are like, I would give up that dream, really, and find another dream, you know. Maybe you need some Simon Cowles in your life that are going to tell you, you I know you think you're that, but you ain't that, okay? Maybe, you're, maybe you should try something else. And so it might be good to have some honest friends, maybe gentle but honest friends around you that can help you out. One of the best ways that you can find out where you fit in the body of Christ and in life is by getting really connected to the church, not just being on the peripherals of the church, not just being kind of like on the outside, but never getting involved. And if you're one of these people that come to church, maybe you've been coming a few weeks, maybe you've been coming a few months, maybe you've been coming a few years, but you've never really got properly connected well, tomorrow night, sorry, next Sunday night, next Sunday evening, we have a connect night where you get to find out more about the church, the ways that you can get involved in the church, about church membership and what that's all about. And we'll even give you away some personality profiles and spiritual gift questionnaires and things that you can do at home that will at least help you to begin the journey of discovering what treasure God has placed within you. And hey, I intend to be there as well, so you even get to hang out with me for the evening. So you, sh you need to go to the next steps table after the service, if that's you, and sign up for next Sunday evening's Connect Night if you've never really got properly connected to the church, and hopefully we can help you on your journey. Now today, we are going to continue on the same theme of discovering and using your spiritual gifts. And I've called this message today, use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. And you will find out when we get to the end of the, the parable that we're about to read, why I've called this use it or lose it. Because it's all good and well to find out what your God-given gifts your God-given talents and skills, what dreams and destiny God has planted deep in your heart. It's all good and well to find that out, but what if you're never gonna do anything with it? Once you've found it out, you need to do something with it. If you don't use it, you will lose it. 
I've met, you know, on all my years of being a pastor in different churches, I have noticed that there are people who have gifts and talents and abilities and they don't bother using them. Or maybe they use it for a while and then they decide, I, I need to take, I'm taking time out of church. I'm taking a sabbatical. And then they take a sabbatical and then when they want to get involved again, do you want to know what they find out? Someone else is now doing that thing that they used to do. Because the church needs to go on whether you're taking a sabbatical or not. And someone else, and I've been in the church longer than them. Yeah, but they were prepared to use it, whereas you were prepared to lose it. And so I want to encourage you today, last week I was encouraging you to begin the journey of discovering what gifts, talents, abilities, and dreams God has planted in your heart. And you might not have discovered it between last week and this week. It does take a bit of digging and a bit of searching and a bit of time. But once you've discovered it, I want to encourage you today to put everything that God has given you to its fullest use. And when you discover what God has given you, what gifts he has given you, it is then up to you to hone them, to improve them, to work upon them, and to use them to your full God-given potential. So today we're gonna to be looking at the parable of the talents. It's a famous parable, it's a long parable, and um, I'm going to, what we're gonna do is we're gonna read through the parable, I will make a few comments on the parable as we're reading through them. And then I've got a couple of main points that I want to emphasize after that. And then I want to tell you about a dream that I once had, which connects with this parable as well. So let's start by reading the, par the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25, and here, here's how it goes. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants. Now let's pause here and say, in this parable, we are God's servants, okay? We are God's servants. We are the people that this parable is about. And the master in this parable is Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and then returned to the Father. He went on a long trip. And as we will see in this parable, he said he would be away a long time. And it's been a long time. But the master is going to return one day. He's gonna return and call all of his servants to come before him and give an account about what we have done with our lives. And if he doesn't come in your lifetime or in my lifetime, if we die, we are going to him and we're gonna give an account about what we've done with our lives. So that is the, the basis of the parable. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man who symbolizes Jesus, our master, who went away on a long trip. 
he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them. So we're going to read about, about talents in a minute. And whenever we hear the word talents, we think about talents, okay? We say that person, you know, lots of people can play football, but that guy has a real talent for it. We mean that he's really good at it. But you know, that's what the word talent means nowadays. You know, I, that person has, has a lot of artistic or musical talent. They are very talented. Britain's got talent, right? Talent shows. So we think of the word talent as meaning skills and abilities and gifts and things that you're particularly good at. But that is just what the word has come to mean. Originally, talents were a form of money. If I said back in those days I had three talents, it meant I've got, I've got three gold coins in my pocket. I've got three talents in my pocket, three gold coins. But Jesus is using money, a form of money called talents, to illustrate gifts and abilities and things that we are, we are supposed to use in life. And this parable has become so influential throughout the world in the last 2,000 years that the meaning of the word talent has actually changed to mean what Jesus was illustrating, your skills and your abilities and so on. So this guy calls his servants together and he entrusts his money to them. It's not their money, it's his money. Everything you've got in life is a gift from God. Your good looks, your personality, your skills, your ability, your family, your children, your health, everything you've got is a gift to you from God. God has entrusted his wealth to you, okay? It's not yours, it's his. He has entrusted his wealth to you. So he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to the last. Now, in our modern day liberal democracies, Western democracies, we think that's not fair. Everyone should have got the same amount of talents. And if you think that's not fair, just wait till you get to the end of the parable, right? Why did he not give everyone the same amount of talents? Well, he entrusted to them, dividing it in proportion to their ability. Everyone has a different ability. And so don't get jealous because God has given better looks to me than he has to you or something like that, okay? Or whatever, it, don't get jealous of other people because just be thankful that God hasn't given you more than you could handle. Maybe if God gave you all the things you want, it would burn you out, it would break you down, it would crush the life out of you because it's more than you can handle. 
I mean, I see, I'm a pastor. I see other, there's other pastors that seem to have way more ability than me. You know, they've got 10,000 people in their church and they've got, they've got more people on staff than we've got in our congregation. They speak at 20 international conferences every year and all of that. And I just thank God that he hasn't given me all of that because I would rather be at home watching Netflix some nights <laughs> than on the plane to yet another international conference, okay? And so dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who had received the five talents began to invest the money and earned five more. That's one way that you can multiply money, by investments. Although you need to know what you're doing. Like, don't get into investments if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, I bought some Dogecoin, and I can tell you it's not done anything for me yet. I'm waiting for Elon Musk to put one on the moon or whatever he promised to do, because I'm pretty sure it might go up. But some people just know how to do that. He invested the money, and look what he did. He doubled it. He got five more. The servant with two talents also went to work and earn two more. That's another way you can multiply money. You can go to work and earn. Two ways to make money, you know. You can work for money and you can make money work for you. And both of these ways are used here because they both had different abilities, but they both managed to double what they had been given. God has given you gifts and he wants you to use them and actually multiply them. But the servant who received the one talent dug a hole in the ground. That is not a way to make money, okay? Dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Isn't that really strange? That's the opposite of last week's parable. Do you remember last week's parable? The guy found treasure in the ground. This guy buried the treasure in the ground. Anyway, he hid the master's money. Let's read on. After a long time, their master returned. Oh, when's Jesus coming back? You guys have been saying it for 2,000 years. Well, he said it was going to be a long time, but one day he's coming back, and if he doesn't come back physically in your lifetime, when you die, he's coming back to get you because he's prepared a place for us that we might be where he is. And one day, the Bible says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things we have done while still in the body. So make sure we're doing good stuff while we're still in the body. Because one day you won't be still in the body. You'll be out of the body. And you'll stand before the Lord and you'll have to give an account. It says he called them to give an account of how they used their money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five talents came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five talents to invest and I have earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear from Jesus. How about you? I want to hear, well, I mean, like, Honestly, I'll just be happy to get in there, but it would be nice to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. 
Now I will give you many more responsibilities. I don't know what you feel about that, but it's like you've been a very responsible person, so I'm gonna give you even more responsibilities to handle, you know? It's, it's like that thing, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And so he says, let's celebrate together. Let's read on. The servant who had received two talents came forward and said, Master, you gave two talents to me and I have earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Read on. The servant with the one talent came and said, now I want you to notice the way this man thought. Once you see the way this man thought, it will reveal why he took the actions he did. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, so he becomes. We become what we think about, okay? Now look at this. Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Many people have a wrong view of God. They see God as a harsh taskmaster instead of a loving, welcoming father. And if you have a wrong view of God, it will affect the way you live the Christian life. I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plan and gathering crops you didn't. Well, wait a minute, it was all his in the first place. It was his. He just entrusted it to you. Now look what he said. I was afraid. I was afraid. This man not only had a wrong image of God, this man was motivated not by faith, but by fear. There was fear in his life. Fear will cripple you and stop you taking any action whatsoever. I was afraid what? I was afraid I would lose your money. <clears throat> Do you know the Bible says the thing we greatly fear comes upon us? Job said, the thing I greatly fear has come upon me and that which I dreaded has happened to me. For I continually said to myself, I am not safe, trouble is coming. Do you continually say those things to yourself? Do you allow a negative program to run continually in your mind and in your mouth? This man didn't do anything because he was afraid he was going to lose his money. And do you want to know what's going to happen? He's going to lose the money. Just like faith attracts good things, attracts blessings into our life, fear attracts bad things, the very thing we are fearing into our life. He says, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, oh, you poor little soul, I'll give you some more. Is that what he said? Look at this. You wicked and lazy servant. I'm gonna quote your own words back to you now. If you knew that I was a harsh man, that I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops, I didn't, if you really believed that, wouldn't you have done something with it? Why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? You might have got 0.01% interest from the Halifax. 
at least I would have gotten some interest on it. Let's read on. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 talent. Oh, that's not fear, is it? That's just not fear. I saw somebody recently posted on social media that Jesus was a socialist, and I thought, oh, buddy, you haven't read the parable of the talents. Because this is some strange redistribution of wealth that Jesus does here. You see, we think, oh, the guy with 10's got too much. Take three or four off. He's just a fat cat. Take three or four off of him and give it to that poor guy. Why would you give it to the guy that's gonna do nothing with it? If you owned a business, maybe you do own a business, and you had three salespeople, and one of them was really great with the customers and really built up their accounts, and the other one was bad with the customers and never returned their calls and never built up the accounts, and, and you've just won a really important account, who are you gonna give it to? The guy that does something with it or the guy that does nothing with it? And that's what's going on here. Take what he's got and give it to the one with 10 talents. Use it or lose it. Once you know what your gifts, your talents, your skills, your abilities, your money, whatever it may be that God has given you, once you know what God has given you, you need to use it and multiply it and put it to work or you'll lose it. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh my goodness, this is a strong one today, isn't it? Church, Last week I said God has buried treasure deep inside every one of you. And it's our job to go digging. It's our job to find it. It's our job to discover what gifts, what talents, what skills, what resources, what dreams, what destiny God has put in our hearts. But once we've found it, don't bury it again. You need to start using it. You need to start sharpening it and honing it. You know, I'm a teacher and I'm a public speaker. So I don't just rely on that. I'm a teacher, so I do a lot of study because I want my teaching to become better. I'm a public speaker, so I read books and I listen to courses about how to become an even better public speaker. I don't just say, well, I, I got it. I mean, I got it, you know? I don't need to do anything. No, I want to take what God has given me and I want to make it better and I want to multiply it and I want to use it to its full effect. I want to achieve my God-given potential and you should want that too. Right, a couple of points. My first point is do not bury your talent. Everybody say that with me. Don't bury your talent. Use it, invest it, and multiply it, or you will lose it. Use it in life. Use it in your career. 
Use it in God's kingdom. Use it in all of these things. Use it in life. Maybe there's some talents you've got that you can't make money off or anything like that. It's not a career. But maybe it's a hobby that you need to do that it's going to be therapeutic for you. It's going to be good for your soul. Use it in life. If you've got God-given skills and gifts and talents and you can find a career path where you can use them, use them in your career. You will enjoy your job so much better. And don't just use them in, out there for yourself and out there for, to earn money. Use them in the church as well. I remember once we had this girl in our church and she wanted to be a, she was a singer-songwriter, but she wanted to be a famous singer-songwriter. And, and she achieved a little bit of fame. She released an album and the local radio station played one of her songs. I remember switching the radio on in the car and I heard it and so on. But our worship leader could never get her involved in the church. He would ask her to be part of the worship team. He would even ask her to lead worship. He would even ask her to do a performance at some special event. And she would say, oh, I'm a professional. I only play with other professionals. I'm not playing with amateurs in the church. That would lower my reputation. And I thought, oh boy, there's a day coming, lady, when you will stand before the Lord and tell him, that his bride that he's in love with wasn't good enough for you. Don't be like that, people. You get involved in it. Listen, if you've got a skill that if maybe it's part of your career, invest it in the church as well. If you use your gifts in the church, you're planting a seed and God will bless what you do outside of the church. You'll reap a harvest. So don't, so don't bury your talent. Use it in life, career, and in the church. Invest in God's kingdom. And this, my second point is this. My second point is, why would people bury their talents? Why would they know what it is and then bury it? Well, just reading this passage, I came up with eight reasons. Here's the first four. A wrong view of God. Remember, you're a harsh master. You, you're a harsh taskmaster, God. If you've got a wrong view, I mean, every one of these is a sermon all on its own. If you've got a wrong view of God, you need to go on a journey of discovering not just who you really are, but who your loving heavenly father really is as well. Discover who God is and get a right view of God. Another reason is fear of failure. I was afraid that I would lose your money. I'm afraid I'll embarrass myself. I'm afraid that somebody might criticize me. I'm afraid that I'll do that thing and then I'll post it on Facebook and I won't get any likes. Fear of failure. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And fear has no place in a sound mind. There is no fear in love, the Bible says. God's perfect love casts out all fear. So get rid of any fear of failure in your life. Laziness, you wicked and lazy servant. Maybe you just can't be bothered using the gifts that God has given you. Maybe you, 
you're at university and you just can't be bothered studying for the exam. But when exam day comes, you will wish you had. And exam day is coming for all of us, church, one day. And so don't let laziness hold you back. A lack of commitment, the Greek word that's translated laziness can also mean hesitating. Yeah, I'm thinking of doing it. I want to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to go to the Connect night next Sunday. And then you don't bother signing up at the desk after the service today. A lack of commitment. It's like cohabiting but never actually getting married. Never actually making a commitment. That's another reason. You might know what your gifts are. You might want to use them, but you never make a commitment. Here's another four. Maliciousness. The Greek words translated wicked, you wicked and lazy servant, it's got two nuances to it. One is, it's just downright malicious. And I suppose there are some people like that, but I'm sure no one in this room fits that bill, okay? Um, but it can also mean unhealed pain. I mean, it, you, the Greek word for wicked actually could be translated, you pain in the posterior. You know, some people are just a pain in the rear end, aren't they? But do you want to know why they're like that very often? Because they've got pain in their own life. They have unresolved issues. Sometimes people are cranky just because they're unhappy because of unresolved issues in their life. It's hurt people, hurt people. People who are hurt themselves go around hurting others. And so if you've got unresolved issues in your life, they will hold you back. Bring them to God for healing. Jesus didn't actually speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. So I looked up the Aramaic word for wicked. And do you know what it is? Unripe, like an unripe piece of fruit. You bite into an unripe piece of fruit and it's bitter. And you, it, there's no nourishment in it. It's immature. It is very immature to know what God has gifted you at and to not use it. It's a sign of immaturity. Elbow the person next to you and tell them, grow up. Just tell them. I know, I, I don't like doing those things either. And some people just don't recognize the value. Oh, I've got a talent. I'll just bury it in the ground. I don't recognize the value. Oh, I'm not anointed to lead worship or to heal the sick. I just make coffees. That's all I do. Well, make the best cup of coffee that anyone has ever drunk in their life. Your gift is as valuable as any other gift. So don't allow any of these reasons stop you from using the talents that God has given you. Now, I want to finish by telling you a quick story about a dream that I had about toffee apples. Got a little picture <coughs> of toffee apples there. And this was when we first moved to Canada, 13 years ago or more. We first went to Canada, and my goodness, we needed a lot of things in the church. We needed a worship leader. We needed a youth leader. We needed somebody that was good with business to look after the building and, and the finances. We needed so many things, and there weren't that many people in the church and I'm like, where are we going to find these people? Do we need to advertise for jobs? But we've got no money in the budget. I don't know how we're going to do all of that. 
and I I, I just didn't know where to look for these people. Then one night I had a dream. And in this dream, it was like we were all in this kind of jungle area or something like that, overgrown jungle. And as we were going through it, I saw this shipping container. You know, these big shipping containers that come on lorries and go on the, those block, the Suez Canal and all of that stuff. Those, one of those big shipping containers. Oh, by the way, in the dream, somebody said, we've got no food. All we've got are, are bags of flour and we can't eat dry bags of flour. That's all we've got. So here was a shipping container. So we went and we opened this shipping container in the middle of the jungle. If you've ever seen the TV series Lost, I felt like John Locke finding the hatch. That was what it was like, okay? And we opened the shipping container and it was filled with toffee apples with the cellophane around them and all of that. And um, I said, there's toffee apples here. We've found food. And some people got excited with me, but others were like, yeah, we can eat a toffee apple, but we can't live on toffee apples. And I said, but hold on a minute. Oh, the other thing was we couldn't even make a fire because it was all green wood that wouldn't burn. I said, hold on, we can pull all the sticks out and we can build a fire with it. And then we can break up the toffee apples, smash them up, and the toffee's like sugar, it's made of sugar, and the apples are apples, and we can get the flour, and on top of the fire, we can bake beautiful apple pies. I said, we've got all the ingredients we need. They're just not in the normal form that you see them in. And some people got excited, but others said, oh, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. And they went wandering away. And I woke up from the dream and I realized that God was saying, everything you need to build this church is already in the people in this church. It's already here. It it might not be prepackaged. They might not have a badge saying, I'm a worship leader, I'm a youth pastor, I'm a barista, or whatever it may be. It might, they might not come prepackaged. They might look in a different forum, but everything we need is there. Now, the reason I'm telling you that dream is because over the last few weeks since we've been here, I've been meeting with, well, the first people I got to know were the board. Then I got to know the staff. Then I began to meet with other volunteers in the church. And I've begun to have conversations with people in the church. And God like has put a dream in my heart about what Crossgate can become. But there needs to be more than a dream. There needs to be a plan. And one day after talking and meeting with a number of people, I went home and I said to Christine, and she knew exactly what I meant. I said, Crossgate is a shipping container filled with toffee apples. Everything we need is already here. Some of you are wooden sticks. You're gonna light the fires of revival and bring the fire of the Holy Spirit and all of that kind of stuff. 
And some of you are nutritious apples that are going to feed people and feed small groups and feed the Word of God to people. And some of you are the sugary taste that's going to keep everything loving and sweet and full of grace and mercy. But all together, God has put everything we need in this church. I'm looking here and I'm seeing a container of coffee, of toffee apples, and God is going to use us to bake a beautiful apple pie here, and people are going to come everywhere to get a slice of it. Can you say amen, church? Come on, let's stand up. Let's raise our hands to God and say after me, Father God, Use me and every one of us in this place to build the dream that you have in your heart for our church. Reveal our gifts and help us all to take our place. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen, amen. Let's praise God.